The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This week on the Mike Wise Show, the NBA Finals matchup is set. Phoenix is roaring into the series, firing on all cylinders, while Milwaukee has major questions about their star player. We got a lot to unpack, but first, Darlene, it's the finals, baby. Do your thing. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? As usual, thank you, Darlene. You don't know this, but during the pandemic, your voice kept me alive. On Tuesday, the NBA Finals get underway with Game 1 set for 9 p.m. Eastern Time in Phoenix. By the time you listen to this, you may have already watched Game 1. Unless you listen to this when it comes out, then you wouldn't have watched game one. Either way, both teams won their conference final series in six games. This week, my producer, Bruce Bernstein, joins me to look ahead and try to make sense of the proceedings. Bruce, it's, this is always a great show when you join me. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. And, and I know that um, uh, Phoenix is definitely looking for revenge against Milwaukee for losing that coin flip for Lou Alcindor later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar before the 1969 NBA draft. So there's revenge <laughs> on the line here, Mike. The only person who would know that is you because you're carbon dated <laughs> and I am too. And the bottom line is people don't know that, but you know what, if I'm writing for the New York times, the Washington post, the New York post, I, even if I'm Andrew Marchand and I'm writing media gossip, I'm finding out that story and I'm writing it this week. Aren't you like, like that? That's a big story. That's the connection, the historical connection between these two teams. And like right now I'm going to lead right into this so you can insert it. Jerry Colangelo gave us a few good sentences on this and you're going to hear it right here. Jerry Colangelo. Uh, yeah, he definitely brought that back. Uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll look for that clip and, and put it somewhere anyway. Uh, it's funny, a guy I follow on Twitter, he, he's like a freelance writer out of Boston. His name is Dan Kelly. He put a question up on Twitter. He's there. Who is the greatest player to play for both the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns? And I'm thinking, I don't think there is one. And I, and I think he came back with the leader in the clubhouse is Eric Bledsoe. So there you go. Eric Bledsoe, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So the bar is set pretty low, apparently. Did, it, did Eric? Did Ernie Grunfeld draft Eric Bledsoe? He might have. Uh, what, what what year did Eric Bledsoe play? Oh, God, I don't know. Okay, who cares? <laughs> he's still around, but he's yeah, not on the um, anymore. <laughs> so, like, we're going to be hyping a – we're going to be hyping a matchup that a lot of the country, casual basketball fans, aren't interested in because, A, LeBron's not in it. Two, um, there's no other huge monstrous star in it. And three, the other monstrous star that is supposed to be in it may not even play Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
Um, and Chris Paul, I'm glad he's healthy now. He's going to get, uh, he, but, but what's up with Giannis? Do we know anything? Can you give us the latest? I don't think, uh, you know, I, I was reading this morning. We're recording this around 11 a.m. on Monday. I was looking online this morning for any updates. Mike Budenholzer isn't really, you know, they're not really disclosing anything. But if you watched game six between the Bucks and the Hawks the other night, Giannis was on the Bucks bench. He was pretty much standing up the entire game. So I'm thinking to myself, well, that kind of leads me to believe that at some point he's probably going to try to play. Uh, otherwise, you know, he was good enough to be on his feet for pretty much two and a half hours during that game. So uh, let's hope that he does play. But, um, you know, Phoenix, you can only play the teams that are in front of you, right? But in this injury-plagued postseason, Phoenix is the number one beneficiary of being healthy while every opponent that they played had injuries. In, in L.A., Anthony yeah. Davis went down. In the Denver series, no Jamal Murray. In the Clippers series, no Kawhi Leonard. And so now in Milwaukee, uh, perhaps a compromised Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, um, you know, the injuries, uh, Phoenix is saying injury problems? What injury problems? Right. Uh, the bottom line is that, one, really happy for Monty Williams. Uh, the coach of the year gets the Phoenix Suns to the NBA Finals, uh, you know, a year after, two years after they were dirt and a year after they were undefeated in the bubble. And it's just so great to see the evolution of that team. I know that part of it was because AD was injured for the Lakers. Clay Thompson uh, missed the whole season for the Warriors. And, um, and, and there were a plethora of injuries left and right. Um, shoot, Jamal Murray um, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, in Denver. Uh, but but the, these things always happen, and it becomes a war of attrition, especially in a 72-game sprint in which COVID affected when the, you know, you, you started at Christmas. You had to go a little bit later. This is going to be the latest in the summer that the NBA Finals have ever been, except for last year in the bubble. So I'm just, I'm glad for Phoenix. I'm glad for Julie Fai, one of the great PR directors in the history of PR directors. People the legendary, the legendary Julie Fai. Yeah, nobody knows, like anybody listening, like think of a little, think of a little blonde, sprightly woman who I met probably in her mid-20s when she was in Sacramento in the late 80s or mid-80s. And now she's probably in her early 60s or something. She still looks great. She still looks the same. She still is bubbly and sprightly and as professional as always. Mm -hmm. And she's um, she used to be the Sacramento Kings PR director for years. She, then she moved to Phoenix and became the Phoenix Suns. And she's just, you know, she's just one of these people that unsung heroes in the organization um, in a world in which we deal with a lot of people in communications and public relations that I would say, I, I always break them down into two um, categories. One is facilitators. Those are the people that actually try to get the, the interviewee with the interviewer. And they know that whoever that person is, is going to hopefully ask them the right questions and be a conduit for you know, fans and the people that read and, you know, and then there are the protectors and the obstructionists. And those are the modern day PR directors who are more interested in not having their uh, people do anything other than, you know, required, required things for big 
media publications or, and I've been on both sides, you know, where I needed an interview when I was at too small a paper and I was at a monster paper and they used to facilitate the interview. But the bottom line is the people, she felt still, it didn't matter whether I was at the Sacramento Union or the New York Times, I was the same person to her. And she realized that that guy at the Sacramento Union while his circulation is dwindling and that paper was going to fold in 1994, damn it, when, when, when he needed an interview in eight, nine, 1989, and at some point, maybe Mike Wise was going to end up at a big paper and I was going to facilitate, you know, I was going to help that relationship down the road. That's what a lot of these people that, that, jerk, that jerk around the smaller publications don't understand is at some point the person working for that little publication or that little station might end, might one day end up at Fox Sports or ESPN or the Wall Street Journal. So that mem memo to people, whether whether the person has the worst job in the world or, or is the top of their profession, treat them the same because you never know when they're, you know, this is what someone told, I think Johnny Carson had this line, be nice to people on your way up because you'll see the same ones on your way back down. For people like us, Mike, who between the two of us, we've probably combined covering the NBA for, you know, 60 years, maybe more. Yeah. Okay. There's a handful of PR directors that we consider legendary PR types. Raymond yeah. Ritter with the Golden State Warriors. Raymond Ritter with the Golden State yeah. Warriors. Julie Fye with the Phoenix Suns. I mean, Julie and there Fye are a handful of others, Suns. but those two have always stood out. Yeah, they have. Also, for me personally, because I got to know him in Washington, Zach Bolno with the Washington Wizards. Oh, yeah, Zach was great. And now Scott Hall. Scott mm -hmm. Hall is the same one. Just, you know, not only salts of the earth people, but they understand that they're dealing with um, they're dealing with people. They're not dealing right. with media organizations that just want gets and try to, you know. Right, right, right. You know, Dan Smechek of the Milwaukee Bucks is another one, you know, fantastic guy. Great okay, team. Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Who was your, who was before her, uh, who was before, oh, when um, George, Car George Carl was at, with the Milwaukee Bucks, Benny Broder, Benner, Sherry White. You remember Sherry oh, yeah. White? Uh, now Sherry Hansen. It's funny. Sherry Hansen, yeah. I was talking to Brian McIntyre last week, a legendary person in his own right. Yeah. And we were talking about, you know. Dream the Team PR director. Brian's a legend. He's going to be coming Terry Lyons. With... I mean, that, that, right. that, that, that whole staff. But he was saying that Sherry lives in Portland. And we were talking about that awful weather in the Pacific Northwest. And he said, yeah, I was talking to Sherry Hansen. She said it was like 110 degrees that day. It's like, oh, oh. God. That's insane. That's yeah. insane. All right. We could talk about global warming, but we do need to get back to the finals. Um, I, I just have to ask flat, flat out because I believe, and I'm not going to hold this till the end of the show. I believe that the Phoenix Suns are going to be the NBA champions. And I believe they're going to do this for two reasons, because they have the stone cold killer, the, what I would call Kobe Bryant in training, uh, Devin Booker in their lineup. And they also have the old season veteran, Chris Paul. And they've got a very capable, if not outstanding, big man in DeAndre Ayton. And so I guess my question to you is, Chris Paul is in the finals for the first time in a 16-year NBA career. I, you know, the only time I watched Chris Paul in June or July um, was on State Farm commercials. And and now all of a sudden, he, he has to tell Jake from State Farm that he's busy. His full-time job is taking him into July what would an NBA title mean for CP3 and his legacy? 
It would mean everything. I mean, look, CP3 is in the, in the Hall of Fame the, the five years to the day after he retires. The dude's a top, Hall of Fame. Top five, top three, yeah. top five point right. guards all time. So he, so his legacy is secure, okay? But yeah. who, I mean, it would only be enhanced with, if they win the championship. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's simple. He's already, he's already at the pinnacle, but this would just be the icing on the cake for him. I mean, he doesn't need it. But, you know, Patrick Ewing didn't need it either. But there's always that sort of void. You know, Charles Barkley didn't need it. But there's that void. So Chris Paul, I think, uh, you know, uh, certainly is hoping that he will be able to fill that void. On greatest point, if there's a Mount Rushmore for greatest point guards ever, Hmm. um, does he end up on um, on that facade? He's up there. I mean, look, 16 years in the league, you know multi-time all-star so who's so who's on the you know point guard i would uh, uh, right now you know who would be my my list right now yeah magic would be on the left side of the facade the second guy would be john John stockton yeah um i mean he played so many different positions but people will still remember he directed the offense i think big o yeah would be three and then Gosh, it's a tough one. Do I go Isaiah Thomas or do I go Stephen Curry or and then I would and then Chris Paul would be right there along with Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, um, you know, Walt Frazier, Bob Cousy. I think Gary Payton's got to be up there. I mean, all those guys. Here's my thing. Would would Chris Paul unseat Isaiah Thomas if he won it or Stephen Curry if he won it I don't think so but I think he would be top five for me yeah I think he would assume he would jump into the top five for me it's like the whole debate about MJ or LeBron or Kareem who's the greatest player of all time at some point you kind of have to say you know what it doesn't matter you just have to sort of appreciate all of them they're all a little bit different they're all, they all had different personalities, you know, they all had their flaws, yeah. um, but, you know, just appreciate them for who they are. I agree. I agree. Why, why make anything out? Why, why get carried away and, and compare, you know, like say this guy's better than this guy, because uh, you know, like, yeah, Chris Paul's special and whatever's going to happen to him. I, I don't think the, I really don't think the, Bucks can win without Giannis um, being almost 100% healthy, and here's why: um, the 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 Suns have so many weapons. The Suns have so many weapons. Um, the uh, what's his name came off the bench the other day. Who's the kid? Cameron. Um, Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne. I mean, he's growing one of the great southpaws in the league right now. He's just, he's tremendous. And yeah, he's hit or miss sometimes, but he's such an X factor. Like Vinny, Vinny Johnson was for the Pistons years ago, the microwave. Yep. Cameron Payne's got to light a microwave in him. And so I don't like, I, I like the Bucks. I, I, Chris Middleton is probably my favorite player to watch because he's got an old school game. Um, and, but I just can't see the Bucs winning this series. I just don't know why, um, but your thoughts. I see I see that um, both teams have some definite advantages over the others in certain areas. For instance, 
when Giannis missed games five and six against Atlanta, you saw Brooke Lopez move from, you know, outside the three-point line to below the foul line, started making hook shots, started finishing alley-oops, had probably one of the best games of his career in that game five, which was really the game that propelled Milwaukee to, you know, their eventual series win. So what have we learned from that? Well, we've learned that DeAndre Ayton, as great as he is, he can't guard Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So if Giannis is able to play, and if Mike Budenholzer, who I think should have learned a lot from that situation, decides to get Brooke a little bit closer to the basket, one of the things that to me has always been intriguing is a team where you have two bigs that are willing passers to each other. When you have bigs passing to bigs, and DeAndre Ayton can only guard one of them, I think Milwaukee could get a lot of easy buckets inside uh, if they chose to 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 modify themselves. Now, again, at this point in the season, can you change your offense that much? I think you can try. I think there are times. And look, if Giannis is still not going to be 100%, which seems likely, maybe he's not going to play 36 minutes. Maybe he's going to play at least to get started. Maybe he's going to play like 24, which is yeah. going to open it up for Brooke to be much more of an offensive factor. So I wouldn't necessarily hand it to Phoenix. I agree with you. I think Phoenix probably will win the series, but I, but, but, you know, Milwaukee, you know, I mean, certainly Phoenix presents problems for Milwaukee. If, if Drew Holiday is going to guard, let's say CP three, who's going to guard Devin Booker. Is that going to be PJ Tucker age 35 with a whole lot of miles yeah. on him? I don't know. I mean, you have to pick your poison if you're both coaches. Yeah. Um, agreed. Agreed. Uh, and that, and that brings me to the coaches, Monty Williams, coach of the year, Mike Budenholzer, coach Bud, does one have an edge? I, you know, Budenholzer is obviously a really good coach. He saved his job, I think, by making it to the finals. I think a lot of people figured if they didn't make it to the finals, he might be he might be out as Milwaukee coach. And I I would imagine that is no longer an issue, but you never know. Um, oh, by the way, Monty how are we not having Mark Lasry on? Well, you know, He's I, actually, I actually emailed him uh, after they beat uh, their second round opponent. And I said, congratulations. Good luck. Hope you keep it going. He's been a friend of the show. Uh, somebody that we both like. Uh, Maybe after they win the championship, maybe we can work that out, you know? No, let's get him during the finals next week. <laughs> yeah, okay. I want to see, no, I want to see your pool. I want to see what kind of pool you got. And, and I think the judge of it is going to be what kind of guest you can get during the finals. All right. I'll work on it. I'll see what he says. To be honest, if you got yourself, it'd be a better show. But, but I just think it'd be cool to say we had Lazary. Well, you know what? We, we could, you know, I remember when we had him on the first time, it was two years ago after they kind of had a disappointing playoff finish. He was yeah. very gracious. He was, you know, classy, good man. Um, so we'll see. I mean, look, I, I have a hard time saying I'm really rooting for one team or the other because I really like both teams. I know that sounds stupid, yeah. but I, I respect both organizations. I really like both teams. I think Mark Lazary is a great owner. The Phoenix owner hasn't always had that reputation, but you know what? Um, you know, winning cures all those ills, right? Well, here's the deal. The, 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 the bottom line is this. 
this is a win for the NBA in ways they don't know. A small market is going to be an NBA champion. Um, one small market has never been an NBA champion, the Phoenix Suns. They've never won it. And two, the other team hasn't won since Luol Cinder. 50 and Oscar years ago. 50 yeah. years. 50 years ago. 50 years ago, they won. Oscar Robertson got his one and only championship. Um, Luol Cinder, um, later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, got his first of what became, what, five more for the Lakers? Yep, I think six altogether. Six altogether. So, and the all-time leading score. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of symmetry going on there. And I, I, I just feel like it's, you know, people are going to say oh, LeBron's not in it. Um, Steph Curry's not in it. You know, like, well, well, this is, Devin Booker's going to become that kind of star. He's, he's on his way. Uh, Chris Paul's on his way out. But he's got at least two good years of primo, uh, you know, if, he, if his body stays healthy, pre, you know, primo point guard play at left. So, you know, I, I, I think we're missing out if we don't see what a great series this is going to be. And I can't and I'm glad that the NBA moved it up, too, because yeah. I couldn't wait till Thursday. I would have got bored. As long as the series goes six or seven games, yeah. ESPN and ABC doesn't really care who's in it. Because we talked about this, I believe. You're right, you're right. You know, you make money starting in the second half of game five during the finals, right? Yeah. So get through five games, you make a little money. Get through six and seven, you're printing money. Doesn't matter yeah. who's playing because the, the ratings will build as the tension builds in the series. Well, there's a lot of tension all over this series. And, let, and that brings us to ESPN. No, we're not going to talk about that. Never mind. We don't air dirty laundry of our former employers. That's not the kind of podcast this is. But if you get our insider, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll dish on everybody. No. Um, all right. So let's wrap this up. Uh, I, I'm going to give you really two quick anecdotes. Um, I don't have any anecdotes with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. I've only seen him at an all-star game, I think. I've never really reached out and introduced myself. But I do have a couple of good moments with Chris Paul. After he was selected Rookie of the Year, for some reason he was in Washington, D.C., and he is, uh, this would have been years ago, gosh, uh, probably is, you know, 15 years ago or so. And he was, um, <clears throat> he was in Washington for some reason. Maybe he was Octagon, his client, was somebody was there, whatever, in his agency. And he, um, he, uh, he, he showed up at the L.A. Sports Club um, in, in downtown D.C., which is now the Ritz-Carlton Sports Club, and they had two basketball courts, and that's where me and some guys used to go play every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And sure enough, we're like, is that Chris Paul? Is he, is he, does he want to play with us? And sure enough, he got on the court with us, you know, and went probably half speed the whole time, was really nice, dished the ball most of the time. And then <clears throat> after a couple of games, um, some guy got on there and decided that he was supposed to be in the NBA and he was going to show Chris Paul a lesson. Oh, God. And this was the best ever you've ever seen. Like, so I don't think Chris Paul was on the other team. You, and, the, and, the, and the guy that wanted to guard him and check Chris Paul and show him what's up was on my team. I had no idea who the guy was. He was definitely a good player because he took all our shots and he made most of them. Nonetheless, this is 15 years ago for me. So I'm whatever, 42, still trying to play a little. 
And um, and at one point he says something to Chris Paul, like, like, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want any of this rook. You don't want any of this rook as if he's in the NBA. Oh my God. Chris Paul looked at him and he goes, you serious? You serious? I mean, the guy never scored another point. Chris Paul like started going full speed and all of a sudden, like, like literally driving full onto the rim and he finds, you know, a trailer behind him five feet. He, he dumps it for him. The guy lays it up. And I, I think we got beat by, you know, like whatever we were going to 11. So he beat us 11 to two and and literally, like, and and the whole time, every time he scored, he would look at the guy down the corner and he goes, really? Really? You call me Rook? Really? And he was like, oh, it was just humiliating. And whoever that guy was, I, I want to just, like, hug him now because I got the best of Chris Paul on the court during his rookie year in a freaking gym at the L.A. Sports Club in D.C. in the offseason after he was named Rookie of the Year. So that was I, it was hilarious. It was just to me, I remember, I remember that moment all my life. And I like, when I've seen Chris Paul on occasion, I go, you probably don't remember this. And then he looks at me, he goes, and as soon as I bring up, like, he goes, Oh yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Man. He thought he could play it, didn't he? And I go, yeah, he did. And he did. You know, it's funny. You mentioned Isaiah Thomas and, you know, earlier in this discussion, Chris Paul and Isaiah Thomas to me have, have one very big similarity they're both obviously, you know, six one, six two, not big, yeah. big guys. Both have sort of like a smiling, pleasant exterior, which basically masks the heart of an absolute assassin. Okay. Oh, these guys want to beat the shit out of you, but they're gonna smile and be nice. I would really like to know this. What did Chris Paul say to Patrick Beverly as they were sort of walking in opposite directions the other night when Beverly pushed him from behind? It was really quick. It wasn't much. Yeah. I'm guessing Chris probably said something like, nice day. <laughs> yeah, or, or, um, or um, whatever. I, I'll give you the, my second anecdote about All Chris right. Paul. I don't know if I've told you this before. I was, at, I was covering the 2012 London Olympics. Chris Paul and LeBron, those guys were there. And I don't even remember who Chris Paul was with. Who, who was up? Maybe it was Antonio McDice. It was somebody on that team in 2012 that was a U.S. Olympic team. And it was somebody you would know, but he was more of a younger player. And Chris Paul was, um, I'm, I'm covering the Usain Bolt race. And how awesome is it just mm. to be there, right? I mean, and, and Usain Bolt is getting ready to race the 100 final. And all the NBA players have already, you know, like they, they somehow USA basketball, the Olympic committee got them seats down close. And for some reason, the race is getting close to starting and Chris Paul and this other guy, this other player are walking toward the, and in the, in the aisleway, right under the, right as you come into the stadium in the lower bowl, the little, um, they're stopped by two, uh, you know, British, you know, constables, MP guys, and they're working the Olympics. And then, no, 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 mate, you can't pass. You can't pass here. You can't, you know, you can't pass here. The, the, the event is about, no, man, no, we got seats down there. No, mate, I said you can't pass. So I'm watching this as I'm going to get a, you know, as I'm trying to get my own seat, I'm watching this whole thing. I'm going, oh my God, this is going to turn into an international incident. And Chris Paul is like balling his fist. Like he's going to knock this guy out that's there trying to keep him from watching Usain Boyle. He was like seriously going to, I, I have no doubt if it, if it turned physical at all, Chris Paul was going to go off on this guy. 
And I don't know what I did. It was totally, I should have just waited for the violence to happen and report it. And it would have been great. I could have got it on my video, but I had this weird patriotic thing going on. And I just go like, Hey, hey yo, these are the American basketball players. This is, I know this guy's like smaller, but this is Chris Paul, man. He's like, hey, mate, I don't care. Like, no, no, this guy is like, see all these guys down there, the tall guys down there, the tall black guys, those are where he's supposed to be because those are all his teammates and he's supposed to, and Chris Paul's like, yeah, man, mother. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm like going, Chris Paul's like going to go gangster on this guy. I got to stop it. I got to stop. I can't get Chris Paul in an international incident. And I swear to God, the guy goes, all right, mate. All right. You say you're a USA basketball players. Let me see if, okay. Yes. It says it on your credential. All right. Go on pass. Me. All right. You know, and he lets him go by. That's a lousy accent. But anyway, I'm not saying that I saved Chris Paul from an international incident, but I am saying that when I see him next, I'm, uh, I want some of those State Farm royalties because State Farm is not endorsing him if he's like punching security guards at the Olympics. They're just you not a chance at a Pulitzer, I think, with that move, Mike. It was no, a very patriotic move. But on your part. The moral of that story is one, I once again inserted myself in fame because I had none. And two, the other thing is Chris Paul, he doesn't he didn't care what situation is. He goes back to when he was a kid in North Carolina, he's gonna scrap for all he's got. And it doesn't matter where he is, what he's doing. He has a he has a chip on his shoulder for eternity. And, and you know, and so when I saw that live in person, it was a little frightening, but I also realized this is how a six two and under point guard plays this long in the NBA. He doesn't take shit from anyone. And so I, that's my Chris Paul story. All right. And I'm going to take a left turn here because I know we're wrapping soon. Have you, when you talked about your phony baloney British accent, yeah. I got to tell you, Nancy, my wife and I just binge watched a show on HBO called Mayor of East Town. Have you ever heard of that show? No, is it good? Kate, yeah, Kate Winslet is the star of that show, right? Kate is yeah. a British actress. She was very well known for Titanic etc cetera, etc cetera. that performance first of all they do you know they did like a little segment like where yeah. the actors were sort of taking you behind the scenes of the thing so so her character mayor uh, is like from rural pennsylvania like you know it's it's kind of like a pennsylvania country story yeah. But when she talked in her interview, she has the most splendid British accent. But in this show, she had no accent. Oh. How do they do this? Uh, How do these people do this? I, I'm blown away. I'm blown away by like, um, who's the guy on Billions? Damien. Oh, Damien Lewis. Damien Lewis. Okay, I had no idea he was uh, he was Irish or, uh, exactly. or whatever. I like, like how, you know. You know, guests on the Mike Wise show have been on Billions. Or uh, what? Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, uh, Mark Lazary, Mark, um, Mark Cuban, and Mark oh, Lazary. Who's the other? Who's the other? Um, Mark Lazary. Mark oh, I know Lassery that, but I'm thinking Cuban. of I'm thinking of another actor, a, a Scottish English actor, Irish English actor, Daniel Day Lewis. Okay. Oh my gosh! In um in that uh, there will be blood. Mm. I mean, come on, like the people, the, 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 those people are amazing. I don't know how you can do it because her voice in real life is just well the splendid. Aussies too the yeah. uh, the uh, Nicole Kidman oh I mean, yeah st Ooh. stunning yep. like she just you would you would think she was American so, so I would uh, highly recommend Mayor of East Town okay Mayor it's of East seven, Town it's like seven episodes they're around an hour each 
absolutely incredible stuff. All right. Yeah. I'm watching Narcos Mexico. Uh-huh. And um we'll have more inform we'll have more information on the podcast of why I'm watching Narcos Mexico exactly. <laughs> but down you know in a few weeks. But but let me tell you right now that this thing it's not just like oh it's a cartel show where people die and drugs are shipped. No. It's the history of how cartels came to be in Mexico. And while many events are dramatized and they invent some characters, the principal people, Felix Gallardo, who was basically the, um, the, the first cartel guy, and, um, and he, was a, you know, he was basically Chapo's mentor. Um, and this guy, Kiki Camarena, a Mexi uh, Mexican-American DEA agent who they who I found out they tortured and killed because I you know did the deep dive. He's he's the star of the first show. Oh my gosh, his th this guy found out so much. Like it, it's unbelievable. You got to see it just because okay. it gives you so much history about Mexico, the cartels, what what uh, awful things became of them. And this is the scary part. One of the guys who murdered or was was directly involved with the murder of this DEA agent who was a great family man and exposed. Yeah, I remember stuff. that story. Kiki Camarena. Absolutely. Kiki Camarena. Yeah. Kiki Camarena. This guy, Rafa, Rafa Quintero was one of uh, Felix Gallardo's partners. He just got, he just got uh, let go out of prison. Uh, in 2013, the Obama administration was, was pissed about it because they thought, you know, like this is one of our DA, like this guy was supposed to be in jail forever. There's a 20 million reward for him right now, even though he's free. There's 20 million reward from the U.S. government, even though he's free somewhere in Mexico hiding. Oh, wow. Somehow, some way, I'm finding that bastard, and I'm going to bring him to justice, and I'm going to make $20 million. And I'm going to tell you all about it in a couple of weeks. That's great. I'm, I'm you know... <laughs> Be careful, you know, Mike. Everybody's going like, careful, that's, the Mike. that's the stupidest thing you've said, and you're going to get killed doing it. Nah, I'm going to tell you more stupid things than that. I've done a lot more stupid things than that, <laughs> and, and and I'm telling you, if anybody's going to find this guy out of the blue, I'm just going to run into him. It's going to be me, and I'm going to tell you how in a couple of weeks. I'm serious. Well, you're I'm a badass, and people got to know that. I mean, it's just you know, it is what it is. I'm not. I, I, I don't want to say I'm a badass, but I am a fucking badass. And I just yeah. said it on my podcast. You are. You are. Because guys <laughs> that look like you scare the crap out of me. Oh, God. I'm such a loser. And I lost my voice screaming at the swim meet, the suburban swim meet. I'm so, I'm so gangster. I lost my voice announcing a belly flop contest on July 4th. How did Oliver do that? Did Oliver, was Oliver standing on the podium? Uh, he didn't like want any Barry? part of it. He didn't want any part of it. He doesn't even make a splash when he goes in. <laughs> He's five foot two and 60 pounds. A stiff wind will blow him to Rhode Island. I mean, he's just, he's, he's like, he's a stick. He's a stick. You know how people write stick people on their cars? That's actually him that I'm drawing. He's a stick. Oh, God. All right. All right. So. All right. We're going to move on here. All right. So it's time so, to wrap things up. Thank you. All right. So wait, Bruce. prediction, yeah. prediction, Mike, your prediction. Oh, I already, I already got I know you. This is Suns in six. Phoenix is in six. Phoenix will win this in six games. Um, who, who has home court advantage? Phoenix, Phoenix. right? Yeah. Phoenix. yeah so they're going to win it on Milwaukee's court. They're going to go crazy. Yeah. But they're, they're going to win it in six. Uh, who do you like? I, I, I got Phoenix in seven. But like I said, any seven game series can go either way. So. Um, All right. I just, you know, I just hope that it's fun and compelling, really looking forward to, uh, 
to, to Mike Breen on the call with Mark Jackson and your buddy Jeff Van Gundy. They're oh, yeah. the best. Oh, I love listening to them. That was dope. Time to wrap things up. Thank you, Bruce, for chopping it up with me. Please hit us with the promos. Yes, Mike. Uh, our wonderful editor, Kristen Woolley, is on vacation this week with her family. So, uh, Kristen, I hope you're having a good time. And the fact is you won't ever hear this because um, you're not editing it. Therefore, you'll never listen to this podcast. No, I think Kristen is a very faithful listener. I think oh, she's no. doing oh, her best to help our downloads uh, increase dramatically. Uh, but uh, she's down at Disney with her family. So we thank Stephen Roll. Stephen is filling in for Kristen, editing the show this week. Stephen, welcome to the squad. Uh, you, appreciate you have, having you on board with us. Uh, and for everyone else out there listening, please check out all of our Pure Hoops Media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strung and Aaron Berlin. We'll have former player coach and GM Dave Wohl, our colleague here at Pure Hoops Media, host of Dave's Front Office. He's going to help preview the NBA Finals mm. with those guys. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure. They're going to be here with a new show on Thursday as they look back at game one of the finals and preview game two. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday. And of course, Mike, my man, you will be back on Monday of next week with a great new Mike Wise show. And folks, if you want to hear some choice discussions from all of our shows, uh, listen to the Pure Hoops Media Quick Hitters. And we've got a ton of great video segments on our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search for Pure Hoops Media. Mike, why don't you land this plane? I will land this plane indeed. And before I land it, a big shout out to our sponsors who keep growing. Folgers Coffee, uh, Monster Jam, uh, it just keep the, the Oscar Mayer Wieners. And, and now a new one, I had no idea. And just in time for the finals, State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Now that COVID-19 vaccinations are widely available, get one. If you are one of the misguided souls who haven't gotten a vaccination, I hate you. And I think you should dot no. Keep wearing the mask in public so you don't get anyone else infected. And really, go get the shot so you can lose the mask and people can see your smiling face. Keep your guard up. Be smart. Till next time, love you people. All of you for being part of this. Aloha. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.